Do you wonder if the Lord still does miracles today? Spoiler, yes, he does. Listen to today's podcast, The Miracles of God, Part 1, with Ryan Bastris from Pennsylvania. He will share with us some of God's greatest miracles in his life so far. Also, we would love to hear from you what the Lord is doing in your life or have seen in others. Write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or call us and leave a voicemail at 407-624-9957. We at The Millennium Beat are looking forward to hearing what the Lord is doing in your life. Remember that The Millennium Beat is helping people share their stories. Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. On the phone, I have Ryan Bastris. Ryan, thank you for joining us again. We appreciate you coming back and spending some time with us. Such an honor to be back, man. I'm excited. And one of the things we call you is a prophetic evangelist and um, missionary also too, I guess, a little bit. Um, but you've yeah, been yeah. all over the world, and you have traveled, and you ministered, and prophetically spoken to people's lives throughout the world. Tell us some stories Amen. of some places you've been, and some of the things that you've seen God do in their lives, and oh, possibly wow. your life. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's definitely, man, my, my travels have not only, not only in my travels have I seen people impacted, but in my travels, I've definitely been impacted as well. Um, man, cause I, I, you know, whenever people encounter Jesus, whenever we encounter Jesus, uh, we should look different because of that encounter. And, uh, man, I have several stories of how, um, I've encountered Jesus within my travels and, and even when I'm not traveling and, and how it's brought change. And I'll share some of those in just a minute, but, but yeah, man, I've been, uh, it, it, all over, uh, you know, um, I, I was a pastor for, for years, a youth pastor and then a community life pastor at Harvest Chapel mm-hmm. and uh, loved uh, having, uh, being in that position. And in April of 2018, I stepped out from all positions at my church and I went into full-time itinerant ministry because God was calling me to do so. Uh, I traveled some before then, uh, so some of these stories will come you know, as I was a pastor, you know, uh, some of these stories will come from uh, as I was pastoring as well as evangelizing. But then some of these stories will be just uh, some of the most recent ones uh, being just a full itinerant speaker. And, yeah, my heart is evangelism meets missions, man. So uh, uh, we're seeing ourselves do a lot more mission work as well as evangelism. So it's fun. Um, but yeah, one time uh, I thought this was cool because uh, I've been to Canada. I've been to Italy. Uh, Mexico, Brazil, all over the United States, uh, you know, um, and uh, looking forward to this year, 2020, going to probably Africa and Brazil again and Canada. Uh, so revisiting some places and also stepping into some new places. So it's really, really cool. Um, but I actually uh, flew in one time to Canada and uh, I was asked um, by a gentleman up there to come and share at his backyard uh, back-to-school bash hmm. that he was having uh, for students because he uh, is involved in youth ministry up there. And so um, I flew up there, uh, and it was really cool how we got connected. 
Um, he actually called into the church looking to talk to someone else. Um, and, uh, that person wasn't available. So he started to talk to me. We started to share a heart. We connected. He said, man, I want you to come up and preach for me. I said, come on. So we went up there, I uh, went up there and, uh, it was so much fun. Um, it was crazy actually, because I was flying out on September 11th, not 2001, uh, but you know, um, flying out on September 11th and, uh, some people were concerned, you know, because there was word that, you know, something might go down on this September 11th anniversary. I had youth calling me because I was still a youth pastor. They were freaked out a little bit. I said, hey, it's going to be okay. Well, the night before um, I'm going to fly out, it, um, September 10th, I get a text message from the guy that's going to host me. I've never met him in person. We just talked on the phone. So I'm flying to Canada, you know what I mean? to meet a guy that I don't know, you know, and, um, and such is the life of an, uh, an itinerant, you know, but, but, uh, he texted me, Hey, my phone fell in the water. And, uh, so I'm going to be at the airport at such and such a time. Don't worry. This is just kind of funny. I'm going to be, you know, at the airport at such and such a time, just know I'm there, but you'll just not be able to text me because, you know, and I said, okay. So I fly in the next day, September 11th, security is heightened because of the word of something might go down, you know, and, uh, I'm in Canada and I filled out one of those custom cards, right? Mm -hmm. And it asks if this was business or leisure. And I thought it was business because I'm going there to preach and I didn't want to lie. So I put that down. Well, I shouldn't have did that because I get drilled by one of the TA, uh, TSA officers. Then I'm led back into a room, right? And uh, they're drilling me with these questions. My phone had died. They're asking me all these questions about where I'm going, what I'm doing. Long story short, they're like, you need to call the guy that you're going to be connecting with. We need to talk to him. Well, now I have to tell them a tell them what happened, and they're already suspicious. Right. You know what I mean? And I got to be like, listen, like you know, his phone fell in the water. He's not going to be reached. He's right outside, I'm sure. But and they're like, well, you got to try something. Well, thank God he had his iPad. He connected it to Wi-Fi. We were able to talk. And I was able to actually get into the country, uh, and 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 I realized it was more spiritual than it was physical because of what transpired. And with that trip, man, uh, my heart break, uh, broke for Canada, and it breaks for Canada. If there's a, a, a land, a people group that I really am drawn to outside of America, it's Canadians, man. And uh, anyways, uh, back to school bash at his, uh, at his house, man, and uh, had a phenomenal time there. And multiple students get rocked by God and, and multiple salvations that night. But there was a group of three girls who were Muslim. They were of the Muslim faith. They gave their lives to Jesus that night and then started to go to the series of meetings that I was having around the region uh, because they just wanted more. They wanted more Jesus. They just wanted more truth. And uh, they would come. Some got fired from their jobs because they decided to like not show up for work. I'm not saying I promote this, but they were showing not showing up for work so they could make these meetings. They were so hungry, man. They wanted to go and be a light to their family who was very strict Muslim. Right. And they end up like asking me questions and we're praying for them. And they were standing there when miracles started to break out. I mean, legs were growing out, backs were getting healed and they're seeing this, like this is their discipleship. You know what I mean? Like what they were hearing me preach, but then what they saw God do at the altar, this was their discipleship. 
Uh, so anyways, while I was up there, I was asked to go um, to a Catholic school mm. and speak at one of their Bible classes. And so I go in there, I'm sharing my heart um, of just the truth that I know to be true and, 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 and talking about signs, miracles, and wonders. And we're praying for the students. We're leaving because we had to go to a high school and I was going to share at their Bible club. So we're rushing out of the Catholic school. School was letting out for them. And this, this star quarterback uh, of the school was there with his arm in a sling. I start to talk to him. A kid that was in uh, his uh, was in the class that I had just done was like, dude, he said this to the quarterback. He's like, dude, you need this guy to pray for you. He's like, all right, cool. I prayed for his arm. What had happened was he broke his collarbone, right? Mm-hmm. We prayed for him, Kevin. He gets completely healed, stands there, can move what he wasn't able to move, right, before prayer. Stands in awe. Students are freaking out, but we had to leave, right? So we left, and we the next day get an email from the coach of the school, as well as, I believe, the principal. Hey, listen, the guy that you have up, he prayed for this guy. He's completely healed. He was like the star quarterback for us. He comes on the field. We're waiting for the doctors to release him. But what we thought would take eight weeks will probably be sped up. And within a week, he'll be able to come back on the field and throw a football. You know, so uh, so that was one of, of, of other you know, like amazing things that took place in Canada. I mean, I, I could just go on, you know, from there. One time I was up in Canada leading a, a three night revival night thing with three different churches. Each night, the, the services just grew in size, which was crazy. In one night, we saw three deaf ears open. We saw backs get healed. Uh, we, we, we saw legs grow out, people thrown their uh, walker, or not their walkers, uh, their, their uh, crutches down and walking without the crutches. Uh, man, because I'm a firm believer that signs, miracles, and wonders follow those who truly believe. And I think of this, I think of how Elijah is in a droughted land because it hadn't rained. And he stands there militantly and prays multiple times until he saw the rain show up. And I really believe that we're glory carriers. We're, we're a carrier of God's presence. We're, uh, we're a carrier of God's power and, and God's anointing called the Holy Spirit. And I believe God is calling us to dry places, to, to stand there and pray for rain and pray for restoration and pray for healing. And so not just Canada, I mean, man, just locally. One time I hosted a, a youth conference that I hosted for three years when I was the youth pastor at Harvest. And uh, talk about a, a, a drought situation, a bad situation. That, um, we had just finished the youth conference. Um, it was a Wednesday to Saturday. My pastor was gone, so he asked me to preach both services on Sunday. So by Sunday, I am spent. I am tired. I just hosted the conference revival broke out at our youth conference. So, uh, you know, there's baptisms and healings and breakthroughs and we had to attend all of that. And it was so fun to be a part of that. And, you know, I hosted it, I preached at it. I had to host my guests and all that kind of good stuff. I was spent Kevin on Sunday morning. I'm getting ready to preach and, um, you know, and I'm tired. It was the second service. The first service was at 8 AM. The second service was at 10. I'm tired. And I just was sitting there. I didn't even feel like worshiping to be open and transparent with you. 
So I'm just standing, sitting there. I'm like, you know, I'm not standing until I have to get up behind the pulpit and preach, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, this guy comes up with tears in his face and on, honest to God, this is how I felt. This was a few years ago. Honest God, I, he comes up and he's wanting prayer. And one of my, my um, armor bearers was like, hey, like he wants prayer. Can you pray for him? And in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't feel like it. I don't want to do it. And God's like, I want you to give your 100. I want you to give 100% today, not just in preaching, but worship and prayer. So pray for him. So I stand up. What had happened, what was going on was, he, it, was it was, I think, confirmed twice. He had a tumor on his spine. And he was really wanting us to come into agreement and believe that that tumor would leave, that A, it wouldn't be cancerous, and B, that it would just leave. And so we prayed for, I prayed for him, that we prayed for him, and he fell out in the presence of God. He gets up from that feeling like something happened. Long story short, the next week, with x-rays in hand, right, he testifies of how there was a tumor, and it was confirmed he had a tumor. But now the scans show, the x-rays show, no tumor. Come on, man. So, like, we've been seeing so much, you know, of that. And it's like, I'm a glory carrier. You're a glory carrier. If you're a believer, you're a glory carrier. Like, when we put our trust in God, no matter what surrounding we find ourselves in, we can see that surrounding change because of what's in us coming out and changing the atmosphere. Because when Elijah prayed and the rain came, the drought ended. And God sends us out to be a light. God sends us out to be a witness. God sends us out carrying his glory. And and, and, and it says signs, miracles, and wonders follow. They accommodate those who believe. And so uh, I, 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 I've seen healings and miracles, not just in a ministry setting, Man, one time I was out and about, and there was a guy that me and a couple of people were witnessing to. He was just sitting outside in the, in the front of his house, and I'm asking if he has any pain and stuff, and can we pray for him? He says, well, I have pain in my leg and my back, and I said, well, cool. And he's like, and I lift up his legs, and one's shorter than the other, and he's like, oh, I got a steel rod in this leg. He was like, you know, uh, that's going to remain short. I was like, can we just pray for you? And he's like, sure. Kevin, we prayed for him. His leg grows out right? Mm. The one that had the steel rod in it, his leg grows out and the pain left. Mm. And so either God just dissolved that rod or he just made it stretch. He made it grow. You know what I mean? And so like, that was cool. So yeah, man, I I have seen, you know, so much one, one crazy cool spiritual phenomenon. Uh, I was in Italy and uh, the first time, and I was actually with a guy named Tommy Welchel. And I don't know if you know who he is, but He's considered the last living link to the Azusa Street Revival. When he was younger, uh, probably in his teen years, uh, he lived on the street where a lot of people from the Azusa Street, they lived on the same street. Mm -hmm. But they were actually old, old age when he was a teen because he's in his 80s now, um, maybe even pushing close to 90 now. But anyways, when he was a teen, the ones who were kids that played in the glory at the Azusa street, right. they lived on his street. Uh-huh. Okay. And he ended up building relationships with them where they would invite him into their house, give him chocolate milk and a chocolate chip cookie. And they would just tell him the stories of the Azusa street revival. Wow. He ends up eventually writing a book 40 years later called, uh, when God called into it, he wrote the book, but he didn't release the book till 40 years later. 
right? He releases the book. It was called Azusa Street. They told me their stories, right? Mm. He has that book is the most accurate depiction of a, a historical uh, artifact, if you will, of the Azusa Street revival uh, because he spoke to the people that were actually there. Um, you know, so anyways, before you go on here, Ryan, say that title again. So somebody that might've missed it and doesn't want to rewind the, the podcast. What was that title of that book? Tom, Tommy Welchel wrote the book and it's called, they told me their stories. Okay. Uh, and it's stories from the Azusa street revival. Okay. So anyways, he writes, he has this book in his heart, but God didn't let him release it until 40 years later when he released it, it was the hundred year anniversary of the Azusa street revival. So anyways, I saw him on Sid Roth. Mm. Uh, I was already scheduled to go to Italy within a year. So like in 2014, I was scheduled to go to Italy in 2015, October of 2014. I see Tommy Welch on Sid Roth telling stories and praying. And I'm like, God, I would love to meet that guy and just hear stories. Mm-hmm. A month later, November 2014, I'm scheduled to go in 2015 in August. In 2014 of November, in November um, the guy that's having me come says, hey, I just had a guy confirm that he can come with you for the uh, conference revival we want to do in Italy at my church. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't know if you watched Sid Roth last month, but there's a guy on there named Tommy Welchel. And he's going to join you in the States. You guys are going to do some things together. Then you're flying out together to uh, Italy. Kevin, I got to spend 14 days with the guy that I was just simply childlike faith saying, I'd like to meet him. I ended up meeting him and spending 14 days with him. So we're over there. We're over there in Italy. One night in worship, there's about 100 people at the conference, right? And we're in worship, and literally I heard the host, like an angel, a host of angels come into the room. I didn't see them, but I heard like them sing. Like the voices just like were so loud, like the volume amplified in the room mm-hmm. where I'm looking around thinking, okay, it sounds like 100 or 200 more people walked in this small room at this conference, at this resort center. I look at Tommy and I said, Tommy, because he can see, right? He, he's a seer, right? We don't pursue angels, but they're real, right? right. Um, but we, but it, it was crazy. He was, I was like, Tommy, there's angels in the room singing with us. He says, Ryan, there's a whole choir of them in the room with us. He saw them. I heard them, right? Um, while I was there, I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, like while I was at the conference in Italy, I said, Lord, what am I on this earth to do? He said, Ryan, you are on this earth to be on fire, and you are on this earth to, to spread revival fire across the nations. Right. I received that word that night. I'm praying for a young lady in the service. The fire of God fell in the room, and, 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 and Kevin, it became so tangible. So where, you know, like when you stand in front of a campfire and you can feel the mm-hmm. radiant heat? Right. I literally could feel radiant fire heat coming. I look at the, it was, it was there. And I looked at the girl, what we were praying for, and she is sweating profusely because God increased the temperature in the room. The tan, we felt the tangible presence of God. I stood like three or four feet away from where I initially felt the fire. 
and you could feel the radiant heat like fire at a bonfire, right? And so I come home that uh, in the, uh, like a week or so, and I'm doing baptisms. My pastor's teaching on baptisms, right? Like um, not just the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but actual baptism. And we're doing live baptisms while he teaches. Right. And I'm praying for people that were, pro- I'm praying and prophesying over people that are legitimately getting baptized. This kid comes into the baptismal pool. I realized he was a kid that I had issues with when I was younger. Like we, we, we fought mm-hmm. basically, right? We didn't have a, a, a good, a good relationship. And he's the one that enters the baptismal pool. There was such reconciliation and forgiveness that happened without even saying anything. Right. Long story short, he comes into the baptismal pool. I start praying and prophesying over him, and that fire fell. That tangible present, like present fire, fell again, like it did in Italy. Mm. Literally, the buddy that was assisting me with the baptisms looked at the temperature, the thermometer mm-hmm. in the uh, in the baptismal pool. It had jumped up a couple of degrees. Wow! Because it literally, when I said I feel the fire of God, he said, "Ron, when you said that, literally, the temperature gauge went up quickly, like it just instantly happened." It was like the like that thermometer was grabbing a hold of like the tangible presence of God that we were both feeling in that baptismal pool. Uh, so I've seen things like that and healings and man, don't get me started on the visions that I've been having and 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 the personal encounters I've been having. It's just been awesome, man. We've been seeing miracles upon miracles all over the nation and around the world, man, as we just simply believe, you know, in a ministry church setting, as well as at Walmart, man, it's been awesome. In my spirit there, I have a feeling you have a lot of stories that you can actually share with us, but unfortunately this podcast has to be a short one because we're both Mm -hmm. under time restraint. And, uh, but I can really feel like if I could, if we could do this, you probably could do this as an hour, an hour podcast because I just, (laughs) there's a lot more that you need to share. So what we're going to do is we're going to end with a prayer. I have a special prayer that I want you to pray for somebody. Um, but we're going to definitely get together, uh, again, whether it's in person or another phone interview and continue with this story, because I think the title, the working title of this podcast is called the miracles of God. So I think that's what we call this one. So, but there's going to be more, but there's somebody out there listening that is thinking about traveling, doing some ministry work, but is a little bit doubtful right now, especially as as the world's a little crazy. I want you to pray for that person. Um, that is probably Amen. doubting the fact that God has called them to, to minister to people. So why don't you do that? And then we'll Amen. close with that. Let's do it. Father, I just pray right now for, uh, for that one, for that, for the, for those many that may be feeling that right now, like, man, I feel called, uh, but am I called or feeling doubtful in their call or that they're doubting themselves? Father, I thank you that we need to realize that you're calling us to something that we can't enter alone because if we enter alone without you, we will fail. Uh, but father, let them, even if they're doubting themselves, let them not doubt you. I pray you stir their faith father and may their hope and their faith lie on you and your ability. Let them not be overwhelmed by and held back because of their inability. Let them move forward, having faith in your ability. And father, I pray right now that you would stir them, And Father, I pray for those who may be resisting the call to get out of the boat. Father, I pray that uh, you would do in them what you did to me and what you even did to Jeremiah. When Jeremiah's like, I'm not going to do this, God. You know, like, 
I, I refuse to keep speaking because my ministry is unpopular. I'm just oppressed and I'm not going to do this. And literally, Lord, it says that but your word that he refused to release became fire shut up in his bones. And he got weary and trying to hold the word back. And God, you spoke to me when I was fighting with you, when you said, hey, I'm calling you out to go to the nation. I'm asking you to leave your comfortability and step into uh, uh, this itinerant thing and this mission thing and this evangelistic thing. God, I fought you, but Father, you wore me down. You kept pursuing me. You kept drawing me to it. And you said you were more persistent in my resistance than I was. And Father, I saw that firsthand. You gently, but you but you forcibly, like, like, enforced like what you wanted me to do and you kept pursuing me until I did it and father it was like Jeremiah he was worn down so to speak and then he finally released what you asked him to release father I pray right now that you would just I thank you for upping the pursuit in these people may they be provoked may they be agitated may they be uncomfortable until they actually step out make them uncomfortable God where they stop fighting you and they start submitting to you and embracing you and doing what you've called them to do. Father, I pray that what's happening around us right now would not be the deciding factor in what we choose to do. But Father, let us be led by you. Let that be the deciding factor of what we do, what you're inspiring us to do. Pray you stir their faith, stir their hope, and agitate them to where they step out of their comfortability and step into and submit to what you're asking them to do, what you're calling them to do. We thank you for that, and I praise you, God, for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, you've been listening to The Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I've been on the phone with Ryan Bastris from Pennsylvania. Ryan, thank you again for joining us. Amen. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody else, um, we'll see you guys next week. Same time, same channel. God bless. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beat Podcast. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your story. So write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to The Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I am going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters by Paul Kindle. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KindleFamilyNetwork.com. Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kindle for his use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kindle. Many years ago, someone coined a phrase that says, the family that prays together stays together. The sad news is that the average parent spends less than six minutes a day communicating with their children. My best guess is that little, if any of that, is in prayer. 
Another oddity is that the great majority of Americans consider themselves to be Christians and would even encourage their children to pray, but never pray with them themselves. As a pastor, I often ask others to pray in various circumstances, and you'd be amazed at how many people shy away from the opportunity just because they simply don't know how to pray. So when someone is afraid of praying, it tells me that their parents spent no time teaching them to pray. I suppose it could be because the parents themselves don't really know how to pray. Jesus was careful to teach his disciples how to pray. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. It's become known as the Lord's Prayer. Jesus' intention, no doubt, was not necessarily to give them specific words to pray, but to give them an example of a good prayer and to encourage them to talk to their Heavenly Father every day. I've made a point to pray with my two children every night since they were born. And as they began to learn to talk, we developed a format for our nightly prayer, and I gave each one of them a part of their own to pray. This is how our nighttime prayer has gone for almost 18 years now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your blessings, for your health, and for our wonderful angels of protection. We ask that you would continue your blessings on our family and on our home, on all of our aunts, uncles, crazy cousins, relatives, and friends. And we want to honor our mommies and daddies with a special blessing, Lord. And then we go on to ask the Lord to bless our authorities. And then, Lord, we ask that you would put your mark on our doorposts so that all bad things would see that Jesus lives here and go right on by, and no evil shall come near our dwelling. We ask you to give us a good night's sleep so we'll wake up rested and ready to serve you another day. Oh, what sweet memories I have of my children laying there, one on either side with their heads rested on my chest, teaching them to pray. We still do it to this day. Add to that all the other countless times we've prayed together, and guess what? Ask for someone to pray, and they'll be the first to volunteer. You know, when our family has experienced some of the toughest times, we made it through greatly because we believe in the power of prayer. So when bedtime rolls around tonight, Mom and Dad, take 15 minutes to pray with your children. Hey, you'll be two times ahead of the national average. That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall.